as we uh, as we continue on and the uh, and the calendar calendar just progresses and moves along and realize that next Friday or this coming Friday is the middle of the month already and and gee whiz and here it goes again you know the, the, the clock continues to tick and the earth continues to revolve around the sun and as the year progresses the next thing you know it'll be Christmas time and people say oh gosh don't mention that it'll be Christmas time again already how quickly the year is going but how many times do we feel dissatisfied or unsettled you know with our lives how many times are we tired of simply getting up in the morning eating breakfast, going to work, coming home from work, maybe watch a little TV or do a little reading, go to bed, and then the next day it starts all over again, you know? And we realize that we spend more time away from home, you know, than we do at home, that we spend more time in the workplace or in school, perhaps, uh, than we do at home, and that it's the same old routine, you know? The earth continues around the sun and so on like that, and another year goes by. And if so, if you're feeling like that from time to time, and many of us do from time to time, it may be because God is putting this stirring in your spirit. That God is is stirring up that there's something else that should be going on here. There's something else that I'm missing on here. That there's a, a hope, that God has a hope of provoking in you to start asking the question, am I doing God's will? Start asking the question, am I doing God's will? And that's what this message today is all about. It's, how can I know God's will for my life? How can I know God's will for my life? You know, if you're feeling at some point in time that there's almost like a futility, you know, I'm just getting up and I'm going through this life, but what's the meaning? What's going on? Why are things the same? Or maybe perhaps why are there so many challenges in my life? Or, or maybe why are things so dull and humdrum, you know? You know, maybe God is putting a staring in you to finding, asking yourself, am I doing God's will? It, it is extremely important for each of us to be doing the will, doing God's will, and doing what he has called us to do. Amen. If we're doing what we want to do and we're not doing what God want wants us to do, that can be one source of your, and I, I can't hesitate to use, use the word anxiety because you may not feel anxious, but you may just feel like, what's the purpose of my life? You know, I'm doing the same thing all of the time and I'm not getting any satisfaction. There was a time in our lives, and um, you know, many of us were born, born again or came to the Lord at different times in life, but before you came to the Lord and asked Jesus into your life, you know, there was, there's always been a hunger. Every human being has a hunger for something in this life. And some people try to satisfy with drugs. Try, people try to satisfy with illicit sex. They satisfy with multiple husbands or wives. They satisfy, would try to satisfy with booze, with fast cars, or whatever it might be, but there's still that hunger. And the only thing that can and plug that hole, that vacuum in our spirit, is God. So even though you've taken that step and you've come to Jesus and made Jesus your Lord and Savior, there's still from time to time that stirring. And if you've got that stirring, what's it all about? Then maybe God is trying to get your attention. The question is, are you fulfilling your call? Or even more importantly, do you even know what God has ordained for your life? You know? You know, if you ask yourself, you know, gee whiz, am I doing God's will? Well, first of all, you've got to know what God's will is. And that's what we want to talk about today, how to find out um, what God's will is. And just so that you know that if you're feeling like that, you're certainly not alone. Certainly not alone. You know, I speak to many Christians over the years and from time to time, and I've heard it for so many, so many years. But God definitely wants us to know uh, what his will is. Let's go to Ephesians. God wants us to know what his will for us is. And we're going to talk about today how to find out what that will is. Ephesians 5, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5. And I need to build on a foundation here, so we'll start and read some things and build, build to the foundation, and we'll get to the point as we progress along here. Okay, so God wants us to know what his will is. Ephesians 5, verse number 1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Okay, as, underline, as dear children. Followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. 
But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become Satan, becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. If you're around in a situation where there's darkness or unfruitful works of darkness, remove yourself from it. Remove yourself, you know. Now that, you know, it could mean physically removing or it could just simply mean that I'm not going to fall for those words. I'm not going to follow those words. I'm not because it's not bringing fruit, you know. You know, anything that is of God brings forth fruit, which means that it's beneficial for us, you know. So we as children of God don't need to be around unfruitful works because after a while all it does is depress you and bring you down and sooner or later you'll start following those same unfruitful works. So have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Okay, underline that or highlight it. Wherefore he says, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. The dead meaning the unknowing. And arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See, so many times we get so caught up in our humdrum or what we feel is humdrum our day to day experiences and whatnot, we don't, re- we don't realize that we could be spiritually asleep you know it's like being asleep at the wheel you're kind of going through this life and, and there are things going on around you things that are, are, are of darkness going on that, that's around you or things that are not contributing to your being a child of God but we've come to almost accept it and it has become so much of our day-to-day routine that we're kind of spiritually dead. We're not alert to what's going on around us. Many times there can be, and I say to dads, I say to dads all of the time, that many times that we can be so busy and caught up in things going on in the world outside of our homes that we're spiritually dead and asleep at the wheel of things that are going on within our homes. Amen? Amen? So we need to awake. We need to be awake and, and alert to what's going on. And the same thing goes for those that are not dads. The same thing goes for all children of God. We need to be aware of what's happening in our, in our environments, in our surroundings, the things that are being said to us in the circles in which we run, the people that we talk to and, and where we are in the workplace, in school, wherever it may be, we need to be alert and aware of, of what's going on. You know, wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Okay? Where it says there, by the way, in verse 14, Arise from the dead. The unknowing, and Christ shall give thee light. That means knowledge. God shall give you the knowledge. All right. So as soon as you wake up to the fact that something is wrong here, something ain't kosher. All right. Jesus will give you illumination. Will give you knowledge. Will give you light as to what needs to be done. And as a matter of fact, what is actually going on around you that is wrong. Verse fifteen again. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Verse seventeen. Wherefore, be ye not un wise but understanding now listen to this be wherefore be you not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is underline what the will of the Lord is okay okay wherefore be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is all right so we see right here then that it's important for us to know what God's will is, all right? Um, how can we ever expect to build God's kingdom if we don't know what part we play in, that, in the building of that kingdom, if we don't know what our role is? The place to start is to realize, first of all, that the Lord has a specific and a unique plan for you. 
he's had this plan in mind before you were even born. Okay? God has a specific plan for you. And this is so, in, to back that up, go to Joshua. I want to show you something in Joshua here. The book of Joshua. Book of Joshua. Book of Joshua. Joshua 1. Chapter 1, Joshua 1, 5. Now this is um, verse number 1 there in Joshua says, Now after the death of Moses, right, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, okay? And then jump, jump down to verse number 5, where God is telling him, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. As I was with Moses. Now, even though God is telling him here, as I was with Moses, okay, so so I shall be with thee. What God was telling Joshua here is the same way I was with Moses, I'll be with you. But God didn't say... Every single little minute thing that Moses did, you shall do. So what that means is that God is telling Joshua, the same way I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. But you know what, Joshua? You're going to have a specific path in your life. And we know that Joshua went on to do many different things that Moses did not do. So what I'm saying to you, the same promise is made to you. As God was with Moses, so he is with you. But your particular path is unique. Your particular path in this life is different. God will be with you in the same way he was with Moses and was with Joshua. But the path for you is not going to follow, obviously, the same exact path that Moses did or that Joshua did. You know, you're not in the middle of the Sinai Desert. You know, you know. So when God says he's with you, and as he's with, with, with Moses, he'll be with you. But your path is distinct. And your path in this life, in God's will, is entirely distinct and it was thought of long before you were born. Long before you were born. Alright? So to know God's will for your life is very, very, very important to us. Because while we're all sitting here in church, you know, God's will for mankind is what it is for mankind. But God's will for us as individuals is to carry out different functions within God's will to bring God's will in total together. You follow what I'm saying? In order to build a house, you need a carpenter, you need an electrician, you need a plumber, etc. Okay? Not an electrician cannot build a house by himself. A plumber cannot build a house by himself or herself. Amen. So so it is in the kingdom of God. God has a unique path for each one of us to follow. Alright? But if we don't know what that is, then it's hard for us to be following God's path, and especially if we're not hearing God's voice, it's hard for us to follow God's path to bring to pass um, that which needs to be done. Alright, in this existence. Alright, so we see here that that, that how he's spoke to, to Joshua. God had, has, had all of your days written out before you were born. You aren't a mistake that just is, is here for the sake of being here. The parents that God gave you, your personality and everything else about you was orchestrated for God, by God, for a specific purpose. Okay? For a specific purpose. And you may find that there are some things that you wind up saying and doing that are so unique, you know, and you, you may not see it, but there are others that are around you that can spot in you a uniqueness, a difference from other people, especially when you become a child of God, especially you know, we appear to be different before uh, people, especially non-believers, there is a difference about there's a difference the way you carry yourself there's a difference the way you handle stressful situations, you know, we are not we are not the, the same as uh, ungodly people, but you have a purpose however, we cannot assume that God's will is automatically going to come to pass in your life, it won't in some ways, God's will doesn't always come to pass. And we can take salvation, for instance, and we're going to look at some scriptures, all right? You can assume, you, you can't assume because it's God's will for you that it's going to come to pass. And you say, oh gosh, what is he saying here? You know what I mean? He's speaking blasphemy here. You know, God's will always comes to pass. Well, guess what? God made us all free moral agents, okay? Now, God's will for mankind as a whole will certainly come to pass. 
Everything that's been talked about the scripture, the book of Revelation, those things will indeed come to pass. That's going to happen for mankind as a whole and for this planet Earth. But God's will for you as an individual, okay, even though it's his will, it's possible that it may not or could not come to pass. Let's go to um, let's go to Second Peter. Let's go to Second Peter. Now clarify what I'm saying. Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three. Okay. Second Peter. Chapter 3. Okay. Even though talking about God's will and whether or not it, can, it will inevitably come to pass. Uh, verse number 1. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both of which uh, I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing that first that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And the Lord knows that there are certainly a lot of scoffers today when it comes down to Christianity. Verse 5, For this they willingly are ignorant, of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then was being overflowed with water perished but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Now, that does not mean that one day equals a thousand years. What it's simply saying is that one day to God is the same thing as a thousand years to God. Because uh, a thousand years, one day or a thousand years is um, it's, it, it, it's an existence, if you will, of, of physical life that we understand here on this earth. It, it's a temporal, it's a time thing. Um, we are constrained by time. You know, we can't jump ahead to the future. We can't go back to the past. There's yesterday, there's today, and there's tomorrow for us. All right. Um, uh, I just got through speaking and saying when we opened up here that Friday will be in, you know, the middle, uh, middle of the month already. That Christmas is a little ways off. Well, you see, that's us judging time. With God, there is no sense of that time. God exists in a continual now. He's not constrained by time. So for God, one day is the same thing as a thousand years. There's no difference to God, okay? So, so, so be, be not ignorant of that, all right? And, and that is so important, too, when it comes down to us thinking about what is God's will for our lives. Because um, we will many times get hung up on the fact that, well, gee whiz, you know, I prayed this prayer, or I believe God wants me to do this, or this particular event is going to happen next month or next year or whatever. And so that's the time that we put on it. When God makes a promise to you, when God tells you that something is going to happen or that this is his will for you, okay, that's his will for you now and that will is the same as it will be 10 years for us. The will has not changed. The God's will as it was established before the foundations of the earth, that has not changed. God did not say this will that I have for you and put your name in that spot, okay, already is only going to be for X number of years. That's his will for you, period. Whether or not you walk in his will or whether or not you achieve his will, okay, can be altered, even though he's God. All right? Okay, now let's continue reading. The Lord is not slack. Concerning his promise. Okay? In other words, he's not just, you know, it's something that's going to be real. The Lord is not slack concerning this promise, his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, patient, toward us, not willing that any should perish. Please underline, not willing that any should perish. All right? So God does not want anyone to perish, but that all things, but that all should come to repentance. All right? So verse number nine there, the important verse. The Lord is not slack 
slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering or is patient towards us, not willing that any should perish. Please in the line, not willing that any should perish. All right. Not willing that any should perish. That means that being spiritually dead. It is God's will that every single human being on this planet Earth should come to Jesus Christ, should find repentance, okay? How many people do you know that have not yet found Jesus Christ? How many people do you know that have not found repentance? All right? All right? Is, is everyone wa- walking on the face of these, this earth now a born-again child of God and saved? No, it's not. How many people that have died in history went on to whatever their, their end is without coming to God? Amen? So we see then that God's will for you is his will for you, all right? But just because it's God's will for you does not mean it's going to come to pass. Why? Because we have something to do with it, okay? All right? We can tie as powerful as God is, almighty, creating the heavens and the universe and all that he is, the human brain, which is just mind-staggering, the complexities of the human brain. Even though God can do that, you, a little puny human being, can tie God's hand in your life so that his will is not done. Okay? Everyone sitting in this sanctuary followed God's will in terms of your coming to Jesus Christ. It was God's will for you to do that. And praise God, you gave into God's will and you're following Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? But knowing God's will and carrying out God's will in its totality in your life, okay, even though it's his will, it cannot be. Or it's possible that it will not come to pass, alright? So let's just first, we get that one truth down there, that while it's God's will, still, it's possible for it not to be done in your life. God wants everyone to find and walk in the purpose he has ordained for them, yet not everyone will. But that's not God's fault. Okay, it's not God's fault. If you're not walking in the way God wants you to be or in his will, that's not God's fault. God certainly laid it out there. God will go out of his way many times, to speak to you about his will, to let things happen in your life so you can correct your path when you get off of his will, all right? But if you're not seeing it, if you're not hearing it, or just for some reason, something, other things in life seem to be more important, that you just don't believe that this is God's will, or you just don't want to follow it, then it is possible then that God's will won't be done, but it's not God's fault. It's not because God is, is, is impotent. It's not because God is, is, is not strong or powerful. It's simply because God blessed us with the ability to choose. Because God does not want to force himself on us. It's got to be a free choice of us, okay? Once you realize that you are the one responsible for discovering God's will, the next step is to start seeking God for it. He's not hiding his will from you. But you're going to have to do some seeking to find it. All right, God is not hiding his will from you, but you're going to have to do something to find it. All right? You're not going to wake up one morning and find God's will for you on your refrigerator with a magnet. Okay? You know? Or on your mirror when you go in there to shave or brush your teeth. All right? So there's some responsibility for us in terms of knowing what God's will is. Let's go to Jeremiah 29. You know, we just take we just take so much um, we take so much for granted as being ch- children of God, being Christians that we just think, oh yeah, 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 I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do, and you know, I go to church and I'm coming to church and I'm doing this. But are you really following what He wants you to do? You know, and you don't know how dynamite or how full your life could be if you are following His will. It doesn't mean that you won't have challenges. Jesus said that you'll have tribulations and challenges, you know. But if you're following God's will, you certainly will know that you're following God's will. And let me not jump ahead of myself here. Praise God. Okay, um, Jeremiah 29, verse number 8. 29, verse number 8. Praise God. 29, verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners who are in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you cause which you cause to be dreamed. Okay? Now this is one thing people have come to me many times over the years and they still do occasionally and say, I had this dream and so off like that, and what do you think it means? You know, what do you think it means? All right. 
I do not go there. I don't go interpreting dreams. Um, I always tell people that if you dream something and if you think God was trying to tell you something, then by all means, you talk to God. You know, Lord, I had this dream. Are you trying to tell me something? God will certainly tell you. If it was, some, if it was a dream that God is telling, has given you and he's trying to get your attention about something, it could mean because of the fact that you're running so much in your conscious life when you're awake. You're running so much that God can't get your attention, you know. So if it is something, you know, many times I have dreams and I wake up and I had a feeling, I had a good dream, but I don't remember what it was. We've all had that experience, you know. But the dreams that are unsettling, you do seem to remember, I find very interesting. So if you've got an unsettling dream like that, you know, you know, don't go looking for somebody to interpret that dream. You know, I certainly will not do that. I tell people all the time, I love you, God loves you, but I don't go there because I believe that if God is trying to get your attention, then God can certainly do so, you know. But you have to go to God and you have to ask him. All right, Lord, I dreamed that, you know, I was sitting at my desk and this pencil that I was trying to sharpen jumped out and screamed at me and did so and so and so and so. You know, Lord, what does that pencil mean? You know, are you, was that you or was it simply the, the baked beans that I had an overabundance of before I went to bed last night that gave me indigestion? You know, what I'm, you understand what I'm saying, okay? And we're saying here, here are, um, uh, uh, let not your prophets and your diviners who are in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. Because there's so many people that run to folks and say, I had a dream. And there are so many false prophets out there who will say, yeah, you know, as long I take MasterCard, I take Visa, American Express, you give me this amount and I'll interpret your dream for you, you know. And that's the same thing as, as, as astrology. You know, we don't get messing in that stuff because the word of God, Leviticus and Deuteronomy talk about that as dabbling in the occult and you don't go there. You know, if God is trying to talk to you, if he chooses to speak in a dream, which the Bible is filled with occasionally, where God did speak to people in dreams. I'm not saying God doesn't. All I'm just saying to you is that to use some Holy Spirit wisdom in trying to interpret what that dream is. If you have that dream, go to God. God may be trying to get your attention because during your, 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 your waking state, you're just so busy that he's not hearing what, you're trying to, what he's trying to tell you. Amen? So continue on in verse number 9. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. If you read through from verse 8. For they, they prophesy prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, said the Lord. Please underline that, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. And I, I got to pause on that again because I'm being pulled back to the thing about God's word is free. You know? So when you start hearing people, even on the TV, where there's a word and the channel, I see this on certain channels more than others. When there's a word, there's a good message that's going on. And then all of a sudden, they start getting to the thing about if you give. And sometimes it's like $77, because 7 is God's number. You know, $77. If you give $77 in the next 7 minutes, God has told me that that thing, and then they start talking about a back pain of this and of that and of this and of that. Okay, God will, will, will remove from you. Or God will do this. Okay? When you start hearing that, change the channel. Okay? Because they precede it with all of these words that sound good, but then when they start tying it to, if you do this right now and give this amount of money, and then on the bottom of the screen in small print, there's Visa, MasterCard, American Express, money orders, whatever it is that you want, okay, that will take all of that from you. You really need to stay away from that because, first of all, God's word and God's blessings, God's healing is free. What did Peter say to the beggar who was at the gate? He was saying, alms, 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 alms. And Peter said, silver and gold I have none. But that which the Lord gave me, I give freely unto you. And he reached forth and he grabbed the man's hand and he was healed. God's word is not to be sold. God's blessings are not to be sold. Amen. So be very, very careful because they can be very deceptive. Be very deceptive, you know. You know, it is not God's will also that we should be so ignorant that we should, should, should spiritually die and be separated from God because we're, we're not wise enough, Holy Spirit wise enough to follow what it is that the Lord's telling us. Amen. Okay, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Verse number 10. For thus saith the Lord, after 70... After 70 years are accomplished at Babylon, I will revisit you. I will visit you and perform my good word 
toward you in causing you to return even unto this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. All right? So first we'll understand that God's thoughts toward you are of peace and not of evil, okay, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Please in the line or highlight all in verse number 12. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me, underline, and find me when, underline, you shall search for me with all your heart. In verse 14, and I will, underline, I will be found by you, saith the Lord. And I will, underline, will, turn away your captivity, turn away things that are coming against you, things that are putting you in bondage. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places to which I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again unto the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. All right? So we were saying before that while it's God's will for you, for you, for your life and, and, and you have a choice of whether or not it, it'll come out, you know, how do you, 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 um, how do you claim God's will? Well, the thing that we have to do is to seek him. It's to seek him. All right? And God is saying, it says, then you shall call me upon Call upon me in verse 12, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. You cannot expect to know God's will if you're not seeking him. If you're not praying unto him and asking him, what is your will? What do you want me to do? I've got this situation before me, Lord. How should I handle it? You, you know, what is it? What is your will? All right, okay. While it's God's will, it's possible that it will not come to pass if you're not seeking him and understanding what it is God wants you to do. Amen? So we see that now he's telling us then that that's where start. one of the things we can do is, is, to, uh, is to seek his face. Okay? Then we see here in Matthew 7... Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7. What do we have to do to find God's will? Chapter 7, and we're going to go to verse 7. Matthew 7, verse 7. Okay, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Please highlight all of verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. All right? So if you want to know the word of God, how can you expect to know it if you're not seeking him and asking him? You know? And, and, and many times, you, you know, if you, you get in a crisis situation or when things are just so unbearable or feeling so you know, caught, simply saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I want to understand, Lord, what is going on in my life? What's happening here? What's going on? What is it that you want me to do? What is your will for me? Here's the situation. Now, God knows what the situation is, but God wants you to acknowledge that you realize that the situation or whatever it is that you're praying for is not present, it's not there, or something is there that you want to be removed. God knows that, but he wants you to come to him and say, Lord, what is your will? How do you want me to handle this, Lord? What is my future going to be regarding this thing? I'm not asking for a crystal ball, ball, God, God. But, but let me know, how is it, what is your will for me? You know, you know, do I remain with this person? You know, is this the one that I should be marrying? Is this the place that I should move to? Is this the job that I should be seeking out? Seeking. You know, what is it you want me to do? You know, this situation keeps coming up in, in my life. Lord, what I want to do is to make sure that my response to this situation, I want to make sure that it's you. Amen? I want to make sure that it's you. And so you therefore go on and you ask God and you knock and you seek to make sure that it is indeed you. And it is indeed his will. Um, okay, continue. Uh, number nine, verse number nine. Uh, what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will give him uh, a stone? 
Or if he asks the fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more, underline more, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Underline, Father who is in heaven give good things to them who ask him. Okay? So in other words, if we're willing to give to our children, to our loved ones and whatnot, how much more will God want to give to us? It is not God's will for us to be on this planet suffering and going through a hard time, living an uncertain life. You know, again, God knows we'll have tribulations. God said we'll have tribulations. But it is not his will for us to be suffering and not knowing what to do. Okay, and, and not knowing what his will is, you know, if 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 I'm in, you know, and as a manager, and my will is for my employees to do certain things, then I have to tell them what my will is, and they have to ask, you know, when do you want this report? When is it due? By what day? By what day? So if they want to know my will, then and and if I haven't made it explicitly clear and they're not understanding, then I expect them to ask. Well, God is expecting them to ask. What is his will for you? It goes on, uh, we're going to say that many times we think that if we read the word, you know, many people think that, well, if I read the Bible enough that I'll find out God's will. Well, again, I say, God's word certainly will tell us about his will for mankind and, and whatnot. But reading the word from cover to cover simply is not going to explain God's will for you. You know, don't think, well, Pastor Cobb, I read the Bible four times, you know, from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. I read it four times, you know, and I still don't know what God's will for me is. Well, because that's not the answer. It is not enough for you to simply read that. While the word shows us will for mankind, you need to find out specifically what it is for you. So let's go to Romans, the book of Romans. Romans 12. Okay, Romans 12, 1 and 2. So, reading the word, simply reading the Bible from cover to cover does not cut it. We need to get more more detail than that. Uh, Chapter 12, verse number 1. I beseech you, therefore, or encourage you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies... A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your, person, your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Please underline, will of God. Okay? Renewing your mind. So there's some instructions right there. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God okay um Many people think that things are, uh, um, that simply, again, like I said, reading the Bible. But you've got to meditate on the words that we just read in order for us to know what God's will is for you. First of all, you must realize not being conformed to this world is the first step. You cannot be in God's will and doing God's will if you're conformed to this world. In other words, if you're willing to live the way people that are non-believers or unbelievers live. All right? You can't be conformed to this world. You can't go by and do what they are doing simply because of the fact that you want to be accepted, that you want to be accepted by those that are around you, those you work with or in school with, all right, you, you, can't, you simply can't live like that because being conformed to this world is going to take you away from God. If you want to be conformed to this world, the minute you start talking about the things of God or, or why I'm not going to go to that wild Christmas party where the boss dances with the lampshade on his head and, and all of that stuff going on, you know, why I'm not going. Well, I'm not going to be conformed to that because that's not how I want to be. I don't want to be exposed to that. All right. And then renewing of your mind, <clears throat> renewing of your mind so you may prove what is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So that's one of the first ways to do it. As soon as you can come to the conclusion that... I'm not going to conform and that I'm going to live by what God wants me to do, then that's the first step. Okay? Before God will show you and let you know what his will is, you got to make it up in your spirit that I'm not going to do what the world does. I'm not going to be what the world wants me to do. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And you're kind of surrendering to God and you say, okay, God, whatever your will is for me, that's what I want to do. You know? What did Christ Jesus, what did Jesus Christ pray in the garden at Gethsemane? Just before the soldiers came to arrest him, before the crucifixion. Remember, he sat there and it said that he prayed um, uh, drops of blood, um, as it were. And it said that he prayed, Lord, if there was any way possible, 
let this cup pass from me. In other words, Lord, if there's any way, you know, for me to save mankind without having to go through this horrible death and to be separated from you, you know, to perish that way, Lord, if there's any other way, could it be done? But then he went on and said, but however, Father, not my will, but your will. Let it be according to your will. So at some point in your life, you've got to say that I'm not going to live like the world. I'm not going to be concerned about what the world says. I'm not going to be concerned or moved by or guided by what ungodly people tell me. I'm not going to be concerned or moved by what so-called Christians are telling me, but is outside of the word of God. I'm not going to be moved by that. I'm going to do what God, what you want me to do, what you're telling me to do, regardless of who they are. You know, you know, and when you're making that confession, you know, the, you'll hear that little voice whispering at you, which is of the devil. Which is, oh, yeah, but that person that's telling you that, that's your so-and-so. That's your boss. That's your relative. That's your this. That's your that. But they're telling you something that's not of God. Then you've got to say that I'm not going to buy that. I'm not going to conform to that. Lord, I want to do what you're telling me to do. Amen. So that's that's one of that's part of the one of the first steps that you have to do. Okay. So to find what is the acceptable and perfect will, perfect will of God. Okay. Many people think that if they if they are good at something, that that's what God called them to do. Not necessarily so. God's will may be for something that you're scared stiff about doing but he'll equip you to do it okay many many times we think that you know simply because I'm good at something that this is what God wants me to do not necessarily okay because you may be humanly good at doing something but that might not be what God's will for you is doing you understand what I'm saying there you know I mean you know you you might you know that there are many things that I enjoy doing that I am good at doing Okay, and I will be honest with you. There are many things in life that I am good at doing and that I enjoy doing. But the one thing that I was concerned about doing and hesitant about doing, once I gave in to God, became the most enjoyable thing in my life. And that's preaching. That's preaching. Many things I do well. But the one thing that I really, really enjoy doing, that I didn't want to do, Felt, Lord, I know you didn't call me to ministry, you know. You know, look at where I came from. Look where, you know, remember me being a scamp and running around doing this and you're calling me to, you know. And and I kind of came along, but I finally gave in to God's will. The place that I enjoy being the most is right behind this pulpit. That's what I really enjoy, okay. So just because you enjoy doing something may not necessarily mean that that's God's will for you. The thing that you fear doing the most, if it's God's will for you, that is the thing, once you give in to God and do his will, that's the thing you will enjoy doing the most, okay? Look at Moses, right? When God called Moses, what did he say? God told him to go down to Pharaoh and say this and to say that. And Moses said, I'm slow of speech, which meant that he, was, he stuttered. Moses stuttered. He says, how can you go? He said, I'll send your brother Aaron, and so on. And God just took away all of Moses' excuses, and look where Moses went thing that he was afraid of doing. Amen. So something in your life that maybe you are hesitant at doing, don't be surprised if that is God's will for you to do that. Okay? And why is that? Why is that? Because God in his wisdom, it is so easy for me to think that the things that I enjoy doing, you know, reading and other things like that, listening to music, the things that I enjoy doing are for God is because that's my human ability. The thing that you're best at doing, if it's not of God necessarily, is a human ability that you have. And guess what? You can do it without God. Right? It doesn't take any godly input for me to sit down and read a book. Okay? It doesn't take any godly, you know, I mean, Holy Spirit, really, you know, deep to read a book. But the things that you feel wary about doing, the things that you are afraid or hesitant to do, if it's God's will, that means that you finally come to the realization that the only way that I'm going to do this is by God showing me how. So what happens here? In in, in your spirit, in your mind, in yourself, deep inside here, you're moving from believing and doing something that you are good at because you are good at it, to doing something that you're not good at and you totally need to depend on God to do it. That's the difference. That's the difference. God wants us to be dependent on Him for doing His will, for doing the things in life that really, really matter. The things that are important and whatnot cannot be accomplished without God. That's why we need to make sure we're doing God's will. 
you know. I've seen so many people go off and do things thinking it was God's will and it wasn't. And then a year or so later they're back, you know, and I'm praying for them and, and counseling and things like that because they made a decision that really was not God's will for them. You see, you see. So, so God's will, if it's something that really comes, kind of comes, and I use the term naturally to you, you know, don't go thinking that that's God's will. I mean, it, it, it might be. Yeah, it might be. I mean, you need to pray about it. But, 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 but God's will is really that thing, or, or mostly that thing that you are very possibly uncomfortable about doing that could be where God is calling you to do. Okay, so so uh, whatever this, so that's something else for you to pray about in terms of looking at how I'm, to make sure that I'm doing God's God's will. We go to Galatians one, and getting down to some closing scriptures here. Galatians one. Okay, Galatians one, and we're going to start with. Verse number 10. We're going to look at Paul here and, and what, what Paul was doing and so on. Uh, verse number 10. 1 10. For do I now speak the favor of men or of God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. That's a good question. Do I seek the favor of men or of God? You can underline that. Do I seek the favor of men or, or of God? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You see? So you may come to decision points in your life where it's a matter of do you, you know, are you doing something or are you thinking about doing something certainly, you know, just to please another human being? You know? Because many times in doing God's will, Many times in your following God's will, it could be doing something that is very unpleasing to some men. Okay? They say, you know, do I seek to please God or please? I know me personally, I'd much rather, rather be seeking to please God. And it's not rocket science, but just stop and think about it. Who's in, who's in control of your destiny? You know? Where are you going to hopefully spend eternity? Well, hopefully in heaven with God. Is not it more important to please to please the one who has in charge of your eternity than to, to please another human being that could very possibly even be telling you something to, to, to drive you to take you astray so you run off, you know, or to be miserable? You heard the expression "misery loves company." You know, some people love to see you miserable because they're miserable. You know, and if you're happy, why are you so happy? Why are you so happy? They don't understand why you, and then they try to bring down your joy. To the point of lying to you or to saying something, you know, or, or you, you know, gee, was, that's an ugly dress you got on, you know, or gee, was, those are horrible looking shoes, you know, anything to destroy you, to, to steal your joy, amen. If, if I yet please men, I should not be the, the servant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not after man. Okay, the gospel which is preached by me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, now please underline both those verses there. The gospel which was preached by me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he was speaking came to him by, res- by re- revelation of Jesus. For you have heard of my manner of life in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. In other words, you heard about me, you know where, if you, you remember Paul when he was Saul, that's exactly what he was doing. He was killing people who were trying to follow Jesus. I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, underlined, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace... You see, going back to when he was born here now, and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Okay? So when it became, this revelation came, and then right away he says that he stopped conferring or going for the advice of, uh, of human beings. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them who were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again into Damascus. Then, after three years... 
After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none except James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. Afterwards I came unto the, the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was known unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they had, they had heard only um, he who had persecuted us in times past, now preaching the faith which, was, which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. So what he's saying there is that even though he was on this trip where he was destroying, trying to tear down everything that Jesus had talked about, you know, God had a plan for him. You know, from before he was born. Okay, and as we know, Paul became one of the most most powerful, you know, of the apostles and so on there, you know. But he started out doing something entirely different, you know. But even then, he thought he was acting for God. Remember, when he was out there killing, he was doing it in the name of God because he was all wrong. He, he, was, he was not acknowledging Jesus until Jesus appeared to him. Amen. So while... He was doing that. God had a plan for him, and God had to take him where, where he wanted to go. But more importantly, Paul had to accept it. When Jesus asked him at that road there on the way to Damascus, why do you persecute me? And he was blinded. Suppose even after he went to, um, to what's Ananias, I think it was, to receive his sight back, what if he had decided still not to follow God's will? What if he had decided to still continue to go on persecuting uh, the, uh, the Christians, you see? So again, we have to have an act in following God's will. Um, it is not something that uh, uh, um, God will, will, will simply tell us and show us. In addition to that, we have to actually do it. But first you've got to realize, and that's what you need to ask yourself even today, am I following God's will? And then secondly, what is God's will for my life? You know, and if you really want to know that, the only way to know it is by seeking God's face, by asking him to show you, you know, and, and he will. The word of God said to seek and knock and it shall be indeed answered. You see, but it starts with you seeking and, and you're knocking, you know, you know, and, and, and the, the thing about it is that, you know, as I said in opening here, God may be stirring things in your life. If there's a discomfort, if there's a, a point where you just feel like this is so humdrum, it's so pointless. I get up every day and it's the same old routine. Where is this all heading? You need to ask yourself, Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? You know, And God will show you and God will equip you. God will take you to where he wants you to go and, to, and do what he wants you to do. And if the thing that, that you are, are winding up doing, the thing that you feel most uncomfortable about doing, if that's God's will for you, he will equip you, you know. And the way that you will know that you're doing God's will is that when you're doing whatever that is, you'll be at a place of peace. You'll be at a, peace of jo- at a place of joy. You will enjoy doing it. Okay, there won't be any stress in doing it. God will, will take you to where he wants you to be. And it's an, entirely different, um, it's an entirely different existence than you simply doing what you think God wants you to do. Amen? And, what you, and where you think God wants you to be. So take those things in your life. Think about it. Meditate. You know, the word talks about meditating on God's word. Meditate on those words. Spend some quiet time with God and really asking him, you know. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with you saying to God, you know, God, this is what I'd like to do. You know, this is what I feel good about doing. This feels good to me. But Lord, is this your will for me? Is this what you want me to do? Because while you may feel good at doing it, it may feel good for now. You know, you know, but, but six months, a year, five years, ten years down the road, you may find out that this is the worst place that you could ever have been gotten into, simply because you didn't feel it, you didn't ask for God's word, you know, will. And many times, you know, we, we will know it. We will know it. I mean, even, I mean, look back and reflecting on my life, there were times that I knew that God wanted me to do something or not to do something, and still I insisted on going ahead and doing it, and then it turned out being disastrous later on. Amen? So just because it feels good and sounds good to you, don't think that necessarily it's what God wants you to do. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you, and now before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.